Blog Talk Radio. Somebody out there got a dream. Somebody out there got a Welcome to the Ryan and Brian Show. I am your host, Ryan Green. And we just lost Brian. He's going to call right back in. Welcome to another episode of the Ryan and Brian Show. It is Wednesday night, and every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is what we do, the Ryan and Brian Show. So this is where we have real talk, real issues, and most times real funny. we got a lot of serious things we want to talk about tonight, though. I'm going to give Brian a second to go ahead and call back in. The call just dropped uh, on that. But um, uh, so here we go. Got him back on there. So, like I said, <laughs> you, you just walked to the show, Brian. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm Brian Johnson. Uh, great to be on the show today, man. <laughs> i tell you what. You know how uh, technology is. It, it, it's absolutely crazy. As soon as as soon as you said I'm Ryan Green, I just heard a silence. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you definitely got disconnected. But uh, I knew you would call back. So here we go. So yeah, definitely, man. Welcome, uh, welcome back. Didn't have you last week, and then you were going away. Had a family reunion and everything, man. How was that? That was awesome, man. It's always good to get with family and and. Um, you know, to, to meet new family and, and new people who've been who've been added uh, in, in terms of marriages and new babies and all types of stuff, man. So it's pretty uh, it was pretty awesome. The, the drive was really interesting. I don't know uh, how, what the the, far, the farthest um, that you've driven with your children is, but you know, if you ever have um, if you ever have <laughs> done a road trip with kids, it can be interesting. You know, it's funny you bring that up because I'm trying to think. I think the longest I've driven with my kids was probably from Baltimore to Hampton, so three, four hours tops. But, wow. you know, when I found out you were driving, it's funny because I know you posted a status from Tennessee about driving through there, and the very first thing I thought was, how in the world are they surviving that drive with Avery? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's really interesting because that that was my, my biggest challenge. You know, she would uh, she would come out of the blue. See, we we have we have duties, so I'm the driver. Janelle is the uh, is the co-pilot slash the um, appeaser of children uh, to keep them quiet. And Avery would say would say, "Mommy," and then you know Janelle would say, "What do you need, Avery?" And then Avery would think about it and then say, my elbow hurts, mommy, <laughs> what, Avery? My tummy hurts. <laughs> it was just crazy. So, so she, was a, she was the biggest, the biggest uh, challenge. But, um, but it's, it's interesting you mentioned uh, going through Tennessee because it was just, it was pretty remarkable um, because, uh, you know, my, I don't know if I've ever told you, but my, my mom is from Georgia originally. And, uh, and my, my grandparents, 
uh, came up, up to Michigan during the, the whole black migration. Uh, and, and so, you know, my mom came up here when she was about two years old. But they would make this trip back and forth to uh, from Savannah, Georgia, to the Ann Arbor area when she was a kid. And, and she would tell me these stories about how they would, you know, pack chicken in shoeboxes and, and, you know, make sure that they that they had their lunches and their food together because uh, there just weren't any uh, lodging areas uh, where they could they could actually sleep uh, for the night. So they didn't have the, op- the option to um, to uh, stay in a hotel and uh, or to even stop for food or to even use the restroom because they never knew what would happen. Uh, you know, my grandfather would bring his gum because he just knew that that there were all types of things that were going on. You know, once they once they entered the south, so it was just kind of surreal, man, taking my kids into uh, into these restaurants in Tennessee and being the only people of color. In the in the um, in the place and just the feelings that I that I had um, when I kind of did uh, you know I, I'm sure you do this too the, the minority scan when you walk into a place and you kind of try to see you know <laughs> if there if there are other people that look like you but you know it's, you know on the on the heels of, of uh, you know what, what we'll be talking about a lot in our show today it's just it's just interesting that you know we often think that some of those uh, you know those times are so long ago but. You know, my, my parents and your parents, you know, remember uh, those days. So it really wasn't that long ago, and, and, and some of those, uh, you know, those feelings really came up uh, as I was, I was driving down south. Yeah, that, that's um, you know, like you say, it's not. It hasn't been that long. You know, we're talking about really, uh, we're only on our second generation since, um, since uh, you know, the civil rights fight. You know, so. It's it's not been long at all. So a lot of those people who were in it back then are still alive. You know, a lot of them a lot older, but a lot of you know those things don't just go away. Um, so it's kind of like you know I don't know if it's a good analogy to make it all or not, but it's kind of like when your um, fraternities get kicked off the yard, they make them stay off for four years, so their whole crop is gone to get the next generation in with a new mindset. It's kind of like the same thing with that. You know, we still have those generations are still here, so it can take a little while longer for all those with that mindset who kind of started it all to to kind of, you know, get out of the whole, um, just get out, <laughs> so to speak, so things can hopefully start to get, you know, different change change for the better. But, um, right. you know, and, and tonight we, we have probably – this might, you know, be one of our heaviest shows that we've done in the the almost three years we've been doing the Ryan and Brian show, um, because we, we've got some some serious things we want to talk about tonight, and just really have some discussion. You know, normally you and I we, we uh, get together and we we do you know an elaborate timeline and we have the show planned out a whole lot. Uh, tonight we just kind of you know I wrote some things down on some scratch paper and we just kind of discuss. Hopefully we can get some call. Some callers will call in and kind of share their uh, thoughts, their insight, their emotions. Um, 646-652-2647. 646-652-2647 is the number to call in if you want to be on the show. Uh, when you call in, just press option one to let us know you want to be on the air. Otherwise, uh, you'll be sitting there listening. But, um, and, and, you know, Brian, from one of those shows that, you know, we may – Go the whole time. We may not. We may end it early. We may go the whole hour. Uh, we're just going to see. But we're just going to kind of uh, talk about the things that are happening right now and just uh, you know kind of go with the flow, if you will. Uh, but we do. Before we get into it, though, this is called a tease. We have a major, major 
programming announcement that we want to make uh, later on in the show. So you got to stay tuned in. You don't want you to miss the major announcement uh, that we have. Um, major, major announcement. Speaking of that, before we even get to that, that's going to be later on in the show. But we also want to start the show off by talking about Recess 2013. Recess 2013 is August 2nd through 4th, 2013, in the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Uh, the itinerary has been uh, officially released today, so you want to make sure there's still uh, space at the Renaissance Hotel in downtown D.C. Um, the room block is closed. That's gone, but there's still um, time. You can still reserve your room. The Fisher Hotel is at the Renaissance, uh, 999th Street, Northwest. So we've got a lot of things planned for that weekend. We've got um, you know, some karaoke on that Friday night. Uh, we have, uh, we're going to go tour the museum, tour, uh, um, the museum, museum <laughs> on uh, Saturday. So we've got a lot of uh, people who I think will like that. That's a new museum around. That's just really um, a lot of a lot of stuff that will, will uh, be be nice for the, the listeners of our show. They'll, they'll really enjoy that. So of course we're going to have some food, some fun, some game night things, and brunch on Sunday. Uh, I'll go to. Uh, you can go to our, our Facebook group. Uh, it'll be up on the Rob Ross Show website as well uh, by tomorrow. You can go and look at all the information on there. Uh, but if you're in D.C. or you can get to D.C., the first weekend in August is where you want to come out to the third annual recess event. So excited about that. So I think that is all of the um, <laughs> all of the housekeeping. So, Brian, we got to jump into this, man. We got to do this thing. So let's talk about the uh the the George Zimmerman trial. There's a lot of things we want to talk about. We want to talk about a lot of different angles of it. Uh again, you know, you guys listening can call in. Um let's just start uh, right off the bat. If you've been living under a shell or maybe you've been on vacation and been away and haven't been in front of an internet before, I mean since uh Saturday, George Zimmerman was found not guilty of uh any wrongdoing in the killing of Trayvon Martin, um, as, as the prosecutor said, pretty much what the jury decided was that nothing happened. As you know, why having a not guilty uh, verdict, they've decided that nothing happened that night. So, Brian, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to talk about the prosecution's um, job. We're going to talk about how the case was defended. We're going to talk about uh, the laws themselves. We're going to talk about the jurors. Cause, I mean, there's so many things that went into uh, George Zimmerman be, be, being able to walk free. And I know that uh, for myself, uh, when when the case first even happened over a year ago, you know, I kind of prepared myself for something like this. Uh, you know, I think we've, especially in our community, we've seen it happen so many times that, um, unfortunately, you, you're just not shocked anymore. <laughs> you know, you kind of almost expect somehow, this person is going to get away with it, and um, you know, did this time he, he he walked free as well. So let, let's start. How, how much? I'll just ask you. How much did you actually? You know, did you follow the case? I know some people were watching it. You know, every day. You know, I know I didn't watch it as intently every single day. I wasn't watching every day of the trial. I watched a few, you know, uh, clips. I watched a couple of days. What what were what were you doing? Were you really following it like that? Yeah. So um, so I really. I followed it to a point, and and the reason why I wasn't glued to my my television set was exactly the reason that you mentioned, and that's that you know something in me just felt like it was going to turn out 
uh, you know, with a with a verdict that I I didn't um, that I didn't agree with, and you know, the but, but what I did do is I is I would catch notes where people would talk about it. I, I catch a lot of the um, a lot of the the recaps uh, that that people would have on the news, with whichever news source it was, and really, you know, and, and we did we did a, a show. Well, we we talked to a judge about it um, as well, uh, so so I, I kind of pulled from, from a lot of different areas to um, to, to really try to understand it. Um, but but you know, like you, I didn't really follow it day by day, and, and it's because I I knew I would I would just be you know pissed if, if, if the guy got away with it. So so I didn't I didn't watch it that much. Now when so you you said that you didn't that you weren't shocked about it. Uh, where, where were you when you heard uh, heard the verdict, and you know, kind of what 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 was the sentiment around it? I mean, were you around people? What what kind of how did how did it actually happen? I was actually um, in I was at my dad's house working on some stuff, and I was by my you know, I was by myself. I was on the internet, um, so I wasn't watching the TV. Um, so I was following online, and that was Saturday, and I didn't get to a TV and actually see you know any of the. Um, Pundit speaking about it until like Monday night, so you know all I had initially was everyone's rage on Facebook, you know, social media, and that I, I you know, I didn't want to get into that. I don't remember. I don't think I really commented anything that first night because I, I knew you know people were upset, and I think I think what I did. I think I made a sense of it in our Facebook group, just kind of like I felt nothing. That's why. That's how I was that night. Like I, I felt nothing. I wasn't mad because I expected it, um, you know. And and but then I also was kind of like, this. What what has happened to the country? Like why are we in this place? Like what does this really mean? Because that day, early that day, I had spoken uh, at a leadership development um, event for Alpha Phi Alpha, my fraternity. And I spoke to 20 uh, young men who were in high school, you know, 20 young men who any of them could be Trayvon Martin. And then that started to set in. It was like, man, you know, one of these men might not make it. One of these boys might not make it out of high school because someone's going to feel like they're not as valuable as the men in the room who were pouring into their lives. So then that, that feeling was there. And I was like, you know, this apathy I was feeling was like, this is not good, you know, feeling uh, no feeling is not a good thing, <laughs> you know. But uh, uh, so I didn't want to make a comment. I didn't want to respond to anything. Uh, but then, as the week started to go on, I started to watch some of the commentary. And then, and we're going to get to her a little later when the juror uh, B thirty seven began to talk. Then it was like, okay. Then I started getting even more angry at just how uh, how how this, the the logic, the false, the, the faulty logic, or or the. Uh, the, the way things happen because of pretty much people's people's lifestyle and their worldview and, and race. You know, I, I, I was I was trying to be certain not to scream racism because I don't I don't like to throw out that word for people I don't know because I think that there's a lot of times people call racism things racism that really is prejudice. And, you know, I think that it's kind of, we're going to kind of jump into that as well a little later. But I think definitely there was a um, a perspective, there was a, a precedent set that said that, uh, you know, the, the tone of it all was like, you know, if you're a black man, you should expect to get stopped by someone if you're walking in the neighborhood minding your business. How could you, how could you have a problem with that? 
that's that's what kind of what I got from this is like that. Yeah, why why wouldn't you expect to be stopped by someone if you're a black man walking in a neighborhood? You should accept that. If you're not doing anything, you should be fine with it and answer the questions and then go about your way. That's kind of where you know what I'm left with after hearing some of the commentary and, and, and some of the mindsets that were you know the jurors had. Uh, the, the one juror had, and it, it's just so much trying to now put it all together, and it's like, what in the world? Like, what do we do? You know, people wanted to go and protest, and, and people had online petitions, and, and it's like, well, where do we direct the ang- anger? You know, what's going to fix the problem? I don't, I'm, I'm not the kind of person to act out any emotion on anything in life. You know, so if I'm what if I'm angry? What's going to fix the problem? Is what I want to focus my energy on, not just having a display of emotion. Uh, so the, those are just some of the thoughts. You know, I might sound like I'm rambling a little bit, but that's kind of how the week went for me, you know, kind of trying to process it all uh, throughout the week. Now, I know for you, you know, you were with your family, you you, you know, for the weekend, so you kind of were preoccupied and, and during the vacation. But how, how did it all process for you? How, how did it, you know, when you finally heard it, where were you? And, and how did it, how things were going for the last five days for you? Well, well actually, Ironically, I was at one of my I was I was engaging in one of my favorite pastimes at the time, which was I was at a heads of state concert. Uh, oh wow! Ralph Tresvant, Bobby Brown, and um, Johnny Gill, and the the gentleman next to us basically told uh, Janelle and myself that you know the verdict came back and, and that it was not guilty, and then at that point Johnny Gill actually. Uh, made the announcement and said, you know, this is for Trayvon, and he really, you know, kind of talked about it from a spiritual standpoint um, in that, you know, God doesn't make any mistakes and that, um, you know, uh, vengeance vengeance is the Lord's and that um, and that George Zimmer was going to get his and that, you know, we don't need to act rash and that type of thing. Um, you know, of course, Bobby Brown had to chime in and said, hey, uh, he better hope I never run into him and, you know, the crowd cheered and, and whatever. But so so I was actually thankful because I did get, you know, that was right at the beginning of their set. So I had a, a good amount of time where I could not, you know, just try not to think about it. But honestly, it, it did kind of weigh on me. And when I was riding back from Chastain Park, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, that's when I had the opportunity to get on Facebook. And, and you know, given kind of my, my intentionally diverse uh, group of friends uh, on Facebook. I actually saw some people that that were, you know, like like you said, were uh, were very sympathetic uh, to George Zimmerman, and you know that that spoke out and said, hey, you know, justice was served, and all this type of thing. And and you know, I I try not to act on emotion, but I, I actually was angry, man. And I wasn't really angry. Um, you know, I I didn't get the same type of. Uh, I wasn't thinking of it from the same uh, angle that you were thinking of it in terms of, you know, any, this could happen to any black uh, boy because, honestly, when we really think about it, you know, uh, a black boy's life is, is more likely to be taken by another black person um, than by, you know, some some uh, white uh, uh, neighborhood watch. And, but what really irritated, what really irritated me was, you know, that I felt like we'd gone back in time. And the first person I thought of was Emmett Till. And I just thought about how, you know, this was just another kid that was minding his business that, you know, was approached by by um, someone uh, and was killed as a result. And, and, and the killer walked. And so that, you know, I was, it was just, you know, the whole feeling that that we just have, haven't come that far. 
um, as far as we'd like to believe. And then, you know, you talk about about wanting to, uh, you know, how we're a couple generations from the civil rights movement and how the, uh, and how we kind of have to, have to wait for, you know, for certain people to kind of die off before we're really going to change. You know, part of the, part of the, the, the change that I felt was happening is that we were moving towards being post-racial. You had a couple, you had at least one generation that, that couldn't point to any monumental event in their lives where they could actually point at racism, you know, they couldn't. Uh, you know, we, we had the, uh, the Rodney King verdict, I think, is probably our, our equivalent to that. But now, you know, you have this, this justice system that, that basically creates a whole other generation that really sees racism, uh, sees a, a tangible example that they can relate to and that they, that they can kind of, you know, uh, see as, as something to point to and, and a reason to not, you know, move forward. And that, you know, that was really disheartening. And then, and then you know, the fact that, uh, that there were so many people that, that couldn't, you know, speak past race enough to just really empathize for this family, first and foremost, you know, for this kid, first and foremost. And they, they you know, made every attempt to, to make either a political statement or some kind of snide comment about it without even you know, recognizing the fact that this that this was a seventeen year old kid that, that really had nothing was doing nothing wrong and, and was killed as a result. So so that you know, that was kind of my feeling. That was very emotional and, and I do have some things that I, that I'm gonna do personally about it. Um including like, you know, I I am not really big on spending my money in Florida. I wanna follow uh, follow C D Wonder's lead on that. But you know, there, there's just you know, I was I really felt Anger in a way that, that I that I you know didn't expect to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of things that I want to point out that, that you know from what you had said, um, you know, one and a lot of people keep saying this about you know, well, you know, blacks are killing blacks more than anybody else, and you know, the, I kind of want to speak on that because every race kills their own race more than every other race does, you know, anybody else, and, that, and that's just a matter of most time out of proximity. You know, blacks live by blacks, so we kill blacks. Whites are killed by whites ninety percent of the time as well. So it's it's not like it's anything different or than any other race when it comes to that. So I think that time that gets blown out of proportion a lot when people kind of use that to compare uh, outrage or whatever to someone else outside the race. But and the biggest difference is, you know, when a black kills a black, the one who killed someone they get caught, they go to jail. So I think that's the difference is that what we're seeing here is that when we when blacks are killed by someone else outside our race, that why aren't they going to jail like that? You know, why? And, 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 you know, we can go down a list and not just killing, but, I mean, just the justice system just seems that it's not set up to to give us a fair shot. But then also you mentioned about the post-racial thing, and I know I, I never uh, felt like we were in a post-racial situation. I think that... Um, Barack Obama, I was elected the first time, you know, and everyone was claiming that that night of the election. I said, no, I don't think that's true. I think we're going to see racism even more now because people aren't going to be happy that we have a a black president. So I think that, um, you know, this younger generation, if they've been paying attention, they've they've witnessed racism. They've seen the disrespect and the racist uh, attacks towards our president, um, you know, in a way that I think that 
no none of us have ever seen before. I, you know, so they've experienced some things. Uh, but as far as through the justice system specifically, then yeah, this is probably the biggest one. Uh, but we can't forget about you know things like the Gina Six, you know, or, or Sean Bell in New York, uh, things like that. So there's been stuff that's happened. Um, but you know, it's just it's always something else yeah. right around the corner. So just wanted to touch right. on that. But um, yeah. so so let's kind of go ahead. No, no, I, I was going to say the, the one thing, just, you know, just kind of on the point of, uh, of uh, you know, when when we kill each other, we get prosecuted and go to jail. You know, that's not the case necessarily either. Uh, you know, we do have, you know, I, I actually personally uh, know uh, my best friend's brother was, was shot and killed, and, or one of my best friend's brothers uh, was shot and killed, and um, and, you know, because nobody would, Tell on the the um, the killer he got off. So you know we we do we tend well, to see that as well. And, and, and well, yeah, I, I didn't mean yeah. every single time, but I definitely meant when people are caught and go to trial. And I mean, yeah, obviously not everyone goes, but it was, shoot, they weren't even trying to charge George Zimmerman before the outroar right. started happening. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I, do. I definitely. Do. So, but I want to talk about the prosecution, man. We 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 want to kind of go through this thing a little bit uh, because everyone's had fingers pointed at them on why. Um, this thing didn't work, you know. And, and um, first thing, well, I say before we get to the prosecution, let's talk about the laws because we'll talk about that uh, a little bit. Um, you know, that was that was kind of the scapegoat of it all. That the laws were the laws, so you know, people had to um, supposedly the jury had to let them go because of what the law had, what the laws in in Florida um, were. And this started as supposedly a stand your ground situation, but that never was even brought up, never even entered into uh, the plea. Um, and, and then the prosecution, so we'll kind of lump them in together. In the prosecution, you had them who some thought they shot too high by going for a second-degree murder charge. Um, I've seen people saying that they think that the prosecution deliberately threw the case. I'm not going that far as to saying that. Um, but do, do you feel like the, the ball was definitely dropped on the prosecution side? It seemed like there was just not a good case, strong enough case. There were a lot of things that they could have done better. Uh, from the outside looking in, uh, to make the case more uh, for uh, Trayvon, it, which it sounds crazy because if you talk about make the case for Trayvon, Trayvon wasn't on trial. Trayvon was already judged and executed. However, it seemed like he was still on trial uh, as as some kind of thug going out attacking a man. So uh, do you feel like um, the prosecution could have done more to to you know win the case? Yeah. Well, well, you know, there. So, I'm not. You know, I, I don't. I don't know. Um, I don't know all the laws that were available to uh, to prosecute him under. I mean, I think the the two big ones that people people think about are manslaughter and um, and uh, second degree murder. Um, and from what I from what I understand of the two, you know, I, I definitely can see where a juror would. Um, you know, would say, hey, it's not, it's not technically either one of these, and and you know, my whole point has always been, you know, if those aren't the two laws, there should be some law because there, because something something in in most people's guts who, who really you know are are enraged by this tells them that someone shouldn't be able to uh, to 
chase after someone with a loaded gun who was on, the, the the person was minding their own business. They shouldn't be able to, to disregard the the uh, police instructions to stay in their car, and then later on they, they fired in self defense, and that and that and that resulted in someone's death. They're, there, you know, in our guts, there's something that says that, hey, you know, it's almost one of those things where, you know, let's say there's a bridge that's out, and the police tell you not to, uh, you know, not to go where the bridge is out, and you decide that you're going to go where the bridge is out, and, you know, and you end up, uh, you end up drowning, or your family member ends up drowning, or something like that, and then you come back and you say, well, it was somebody else's fault that that you drowned. I mean, they, you know, it kind of seems like. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that shouldn't be. That's not right. And this is kind of the the same situation. So you know, I initially I was thinking, well, uh, I felt like the prosecution was going was being too ambitious, going for the murder too. I didn't, you know, from what I understood, I didn't I didn't feel like you know, I didn't think that George Zimmerman necessarily followed him, you know, intending to kill him in any right, way. Trying to kill him, right. Right. right? But but when I understood that that manslaughter actually had to be you know that it had to be kind of the case of um, somebody not meaning to fire a gun or something to, to that extent and, and you know handling things in a certain way where uh, where they they put someone in danger and because he says hey I did mean to fire but it was in self defense and it's like hey it's not really manslaughter you know I understand that too but I just feel like there should be something you know in my gut that that you know so, so I can't say that I that I necessarily Blame the prosecution for it, um, but at the same time, I feel like you know this is one time when, when what's right and what's legal just doesn't seem to uh, to you know be uh, aligned. Right. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I think that you know trying to to remember that common sense doesn't always make legal sense, and trying to realize that you know the defense all they have to do is prove doubt. You know, um, and then you look at the laws, like you said, and it's like, well, okay, if there's the, the for it to be the manslaughter that had to be no intent behind it at first, okay, well, then you can't charge him for that, but then you say, well, but he did it, because he did it on purpose, but it wasn't now murder two for some reason, you know, it, it's, I, I don't know how the laws are, are, are written exactly, what happened, but, you know, it's just, it, like like the, the prosecutor said, you know, what can you say? That's the one part I did watch the closing arguments. You know, if a, a not guilty verdict is saying nothing happened, and that's the thing. At least people now. I mean, when all was said and done, George Zimmerman walked out and still was able to go and get his gun again if he wanted. Like he was right back out. You know, he, he has the ability to go and get a gun again, get his gun back. So it was like how, how it just. That's what's about the laws. Like okay, now it's time for people to. Take it to the polls. Watch who they're voting for. Get new legislator in there, legislature in there, to make sure that these laws get changed. That they at least make sense. Um, you know, because right now the way it is, how how can any anyone can just walk up, start a fight, get beat up, then shoot the person, and you say you were in self defense when you started it, you provoked it. You know, and I made I used the example today about you know what what if. It were a, a ex-boyfriend going to his girlfriend. Let's do the same exact situation. I mean, you have an ex-boyfriend walking up to his um, girlfriend. She slaps him and, and, and pepper sprays him trying to get away, uh, and he shoots her. Now, 
it's the same. You know, he, he feels like you know the 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 he felt threatened, and she pulled out pepper spray. That's not even you know Skittles in a soda. She pulled out something, and he he shoots. Mm-hmm. According to what happened with this verdict, he was in self defense when she came right. out there and did it. You know, it it just it doesn't it doesn't compute. You know, it really doesn't compute. And, and and there were so many things that it just seemed like uh, right. you know one of the things that the, the jurors was talking about was you know she she kept calling him George like she knew she felt like she knew George because the defense you know put on people who could talk for him and the prosecution didn't really uh, put on anyone who could speak for Trayvon except for uh, Rachel Gentile who she said that you know the one juror who spoke felt like uh, her 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 um, testimony wasn't credible. Her testimony lined up with everything. It was it was consistent for what what she'd always said. Yet she had the timeline, phone records, and everything. How, how you just assume it didn't line up? Other than if you right. look at you know her presentation itself, which you know that was a lot of a lot of people got upset about that when when her you know testimony came out. You know I was one of the people talking about how her presentation could possibly impact the jury. And and here's right. one juror who said you know in essence it did. You know, but that's right. not here nor there now. But when you look at the what she actually said, how can it not be credible? Even if you didn't like the way she said it, that doesn't mean she didn't tell the truth about it. You know, right? So, and that kind of and that really that gets to uh, what I do feel was a failure of the prosecution, um, and that was in the jury selection. You know, I don't know who they had to choose from, but I remember also when the when the uh, the information about the jury came out, and we knew kind of the the, the uh, racial makeup of the jury. Given you know this, this type of case, a lot of us were like, "Oh, I cannot believe this!" Like at that point, mm-hmm. and that's really one reason why I, I felt like like he was going to walk was was from that mm-hmm. point. We had we had attorneys that were saying, "Oh no, it doesn't really matter." You know, people are able to distinguish between this and that, and I think this is a perfect example where it does matter. Uh, reason being uh, because, you know, th- this person identified with him, you know, and, and why, there should have been someone on that jury that probably didn't identify with him. There probably should have been multiple mm-hmm. people that couldn't identify with him uh, just to just to really to really make uh, have a, a truly diverse jury that could that could really deliver justice in a way that it would it would need to be. And, and you know, you I think you take that same jury and you put them in a trial where it was a a uh, the murderer or the killer was uh, black and the and the teen was white. That that jury probably would have convicted that guy. And you know and I and I bet my life on that. Honestly, that's one thing that I would I would definitely do. I bet my life on it. So uh, so you know. That was that was definitely an area where I felt like the prosecution failed. And then the other piece was, you know, in when as they were going for murder too, I thought it was absolutely asinine that they 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 let any piece of the case hinge on whose voice was actually screaming on that uh, on the nine one one tape, and then to watch, you know, the the. the defense bring up like 12 people that says, oh, yeah, that's George, that's George, that's George, and for the prosecution to bring up, you know, uh, Trayvon Martin's, uh, or uh, Trayvon Martin's uh, father and his right. friend, and, and that's it. It's just, it was just, it was, I mean, I, right. I just, I guess hindsight is twenty twenty, but I couldn't really, you know, those are two areas where, where I really feel like that prosecution did not do it, its job and probably would have done better had, you know, or probably would have gotten a, a uh, conviction had the racial makeup of, of the, the people involved. Yeah. In it. 
it, it, you know, and I think when some people were saying it was genius, you know, to have all women on the tr- on the jury, five of them were mothers, because no way they're gonna let this guy walk after he killed a baby. And it's like they're not. It's not like they were black mothers. They didn't. You know, I didn't see how that was gonna be right. a benefit. You know, to me, it ended up looking like they were like, yes, thank you, George, for protecting us and our babies from the 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 angry black thug in the neighborhood. Right. You know, so right. that's the way it kind of played out. You know, after the the verdict was um was read. So I tell you what, man, we we do have a call. So we're gonna go ahead and go to the line, man. I um, wanted to get some conversation in there before we started taking the calls. Um, so let's go ahead and bring Peter on the line. Peter, thanks for calling again. Hey guys, how's it going? All right. Ah uh, man, this is just really uh, a travesty and sad time in our country. And uh, I was actually in Orlando in the spring of uh, 2012 when they decided to. Uh, prosecute, I'm not saying prosecute, but uh, to charge Zimmerman, and uh, ironically, I had dinner when I was down there with a young man from Hampton, he's a 2010 graduate, he was in his second year at Family Law School, we were talking about at dinner, and he actually, he got in a newspaper in France, because the uh, FAMU students were protesting over it, and the undergrad students at FAMU up in Tallahassee were protesting over it, so it was just really interesting how, you know, I was down there when it, it broke out, and now... Uh, the results happened in which Zimmerman was convicted, and I was not too surprised about it. I, mean, I talked to my dad about it. You know, he's a judge, and he said he wasn't too surprised at all because it's Florida, and they still have that, you know, good old boy mentality down there. But what we need to do, and I'm speaking also as a, a history educator, we need to have people understand the past in order to not uh, repeat the mistakes of the future. We have to have people get out there and vote, uh, educate our young men on, you know, the different uh, – ways in which they can survive on the streets and, and try to uh, reduce profiling. I mean, we have a lot of work to do. And like you said earlier, we are not in a post-racial society. We still have a ways to go, and we need to be conscientious of that. Let me ask you this, Peter. Here's, here's an option that is on the table. Um, how about more black people just get armed? Um, what do you think about that? If Trayvon had a gun that night, uh he, 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 you know, it, it, I know when after the Newtown tragedy happened, the NRA was calling mm-hmm. everyone to get guns then. And um, I know after the shooting happened in the movie theater, uh, everyone should have their own guns then. Uh, well, now we have a young black boy who, who's been shot dead, so maybe more black people should get legally get guns and be able to defend themselves. Uh, what do you think about that solution? Well, first of all, you know, unequivocally, I am a pacifist, uh, as I have expressed my views on the R&B show blog, and I don't think owning a gun is going to solve anything at all. It's just going to create more problems. I've never owned a gun in my life. I've known people since high school that have gotten shot by guns, so I feel if I even had one for protection, I would be contributing more to the problem and not solution. I just think what we need to do is educate people about uh, gun safety and make people bear more responsibility in terms of these are the consequences you'll suffer if you don't say if you are moving from Michigan to Maryland and you forget to register your gun in Maryland. Well, guess what? You will face the consequences for not registering that gun. So I know it's a second amendment, it's a constitutional amendment, the second amendment right to bear arms. So Maybe that's not going to change, but we need to hold people accountable, have the waiting date periods extended maybe from 30 to, to uh, 60 days to do uh, 
background checks on people to make sure that we don't have criminals uh, owning guns and continue to fight the illegals. So in a nutshell, what I'm saying is I, I don't think us owning guns for protection is going to solve anything. Um, real quick, and Brian can attest to this, our Governor Snyder in Michigan wanted to have a law enacted where people could carry guns in churches and schools and just basically in the public, but it was a good thing that he had a change of heart and was sad that it had to come down to Sandy Hook happening for him to renege on possibly passing that legislation because had that passed, there's no telling what would have happened. We could have had a Trayvon Martin incident up here in Detroit or in, in the state of Michigan. Right, definitely. All right. Yeah, well, thanks, Pete. thanks, Peter. We definitely appreciate it. No problem, guys. I appreciate your steadfastness on uh, social action, so keep up the good work. All right, thank you. All right, we got another call, Brian. Let's just keep it going. We'll go right to the lines. If you're calling from 734 area code, you are on the air. Hi. I have um, just two questions for you guys regarding okay, the Trayvon Martin case. One, why do you think... Hold on, hold on, hold on. What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm Debbie from Michigan. All right, Debbie, thanks for calling. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, one, the first question is, why do you think that this case has risen to such a national level where people are engaged from all socioeconomic and racial and ethnic backgrounds in, um, you know, kind of a outcry against this number that's number one and the second question is why is it that people are not up in arms with the number of deaths that are happening daily in chicago the number of deaths of black children that are happening in chicago each day i'll I'll start first and brian you can come on um i think people um i raised about this one because of, of the story because I don't think there's been many examples in modern day times where there's been someone who provoked a fight. Uh, it was someone who was totally minding his business and killed someone and, and was not going to get charged for it. And then you have what happened immediately after that was, you know, certain parts of the media because Trayvon Martin had a hoodie on was saying that, well, he asked for it, you know, so you have a whole community uh, who, of, of hoodie wearers, it's not, that's not race. I mean, you have blacks aren't the only ones who wear hoodies who are like, well, wait a minute, that's not any justification to go and kill someone. So I think how it all started is, is what made so many people pay attention to it simply because there were so many elements of it where people said, that could be me. You know, I, I could go to the store and get something. I could be wearing a hoodie. I could be walking through a neighborhood that I'm visiting and someone else coming and approach me. Uh, that could be me or my nephew or my son. So I think that's why it resonated so quickly with so many people. And then the idea that nothing was going to be done about it, I was like, well, wait a minute. We don't live in a country where you can just shoot people, and that's okay. Uh, so I think that's uh, the answer to the first part. Answer to the second part, and I kind of touched on this earlier, you know, I'm from Baltimore, so Baltimore is right up there with Chicago right now where uh, there were 10 people shot, uh, you know, over the weekend, uh, last weekend. They just arrested one man who shot four people, you know, and when you look at uh, Baltimore being probably a tenth of the size of, of, of Chicago, those numbers are high as well. Uh, the, the difference that I've said with this is that, you know, people are up in an uproar about it. That, that's just not true that people don't care. Uh, the difference, though, is that, one, you're not going to get the media coverage that you get because it's blacks killing blacks. Um, but, two, those that those people who are killing each other in those cities, that's gang violence, those are drug dealers, that's not just innocent 
law-abiding citizens going about their way. It's harder to fight that, you know. Uh, and Brian touched on it about people not when he mentioned his friend that got shot. No one wanted to testify. If there's not the support in the community, there's people who know who's out there doing these shootings, but they know if the police aren't going to go in there and take care of it, they could end up dead themselves. So you have that cycle. You have people who, who uh, uh, people are definitely upset about it, definitely making noise about it. It's not, you know, they're not ignoring it to talk about something else that seems more racial, but it's a, it's a totally different situation and, and takes different solutions, in my opinion. And that's why you don't, it doesn't appear so much as um, so much is being done about it, but but yeah, I, I'm in the in Baltimore, and I know. I mean, they just had a. Uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, Munir Bahir, who just put together a 300 man march uh, in Baltimore City uh, two weekends ago uh, to to kind of help in bringing awareness and, and kind of fight this thing. But then you also have Baltimore City, where that's where you just had the four correctional officers uh, who were, who were arrested because they were sleeping with the drug the drug dealers in prison. So you got the police who were in on it as well. So uh how do you how do you stop that? How do you fight that? How do you you know, you just find your way to survive in it and, and hope that it doesn't come to your doorstep. So I'm sorry, yeah. let me get off yeah. my, my, my soapbox. <laughs> no no problem. Uh, I I think I'm I'm pretty uh on board with you in terms of uh of why this this became a national story. I mean you take any situation, you inject race in it. You you really you one one thing that uh, that contributed to it as well is that because the local authorities didn't handle uh, you know they didn't handle the case in the way that they should have you know the the family and the community did have to bring a national spotlight in order for it to um, in order for it to uh, to actually for justice to either, the justice process to even start taking place in that area. Um, what I will say though is from the from the uh, you know why people are more outraged with lack of black crime. You know I, I actually uh, I actually disagree with Ryan to an extent. I think that uh, you know th- that someone's that you could you, number one a lot of innocent people do get killed. Um, so I don't think it's about you know it's about drug dealers just shooting each other. So so it's not as as big a deal. But what I what I do and I do think again once you start putting race in, into the situation, it the, the effect is a little bit different. It's like it's like you can you can kill somebody, but a racially motivated killing really kind of brings up all this history and all these feelings that we have about you know not necessarily not just being in the wrong place at the wrong time, not you know being in a bad neighborhood where you might be able to avoid it or whatever. We can we can uh, explain away in the case of a lot of black on black violence. But you know, just being, you know, not. I mean, just being, going about your business and having somebody, uh, somebody kill you or kill a loved one of yours, and you know, the law not stand up for that. And, and we have so many examples of that happening in the past, in the very recent past, uh, where it really just it's, it's a, a bigger wound when that happens. So I do think that we need to, you know, when when Trayvon Martin was initially killed, I was like, I kind of felt like. Why aren't we having more outrage about uh, black on black violence because it happens more often? But you know, I do understand that once you add that racial component, it, it stings in a way uh, because you feel like you know this isn't even your country. You can't even uh, operate like everybody else because you look a certain way, and that and that has a different type of effect on the mass of people. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's, that's an uh, awesome question. Great question. All right. Hello. Thank I'm you. sorry. Yeah, you were okay, here. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you guys 
so much. And one final thing, I don't know if I have time, but do you really think that this is going to make a difference in the criminal justice system for African-American males? Do you think that the marching and the discussion can make a difference, or do you feel like it's just going to eventually die out and nothing's going to change? Yeah, I, I personally I, think well, that no, – go ahead, Brian. You can go first. No, I, I was going to say I, I I hesitate to ever use the word can't, so I, I'd say that, that I think that it can. Uh, now, will it? That, that's another question. Um, I think back to the Rodney King verdict, and, you know, there are, there are a lot of things that happened um, in L.A. where p- police brutality was looked at more closely. And, um, and, and if I recall correctly, there, there, was, uh, there, there were actions taken and, and a reduction, at least in the short term, of a lot of a lot of uh, this, this uh, police brutality that was going on at the time, I'm not sure where they are now, but at least in the short term, I know that they're you know that it did it did um, uh, did drop. Uh, you know, long term and, and on a national scale, I, I just I really think that that bias just exists, you know, and I think that that we're gonna it's gonna take a lot more than this, a lot more than this. For for to to make a change, and also the times have changed since Rodney King. You know, now we have, uh, you know, social media and the twenty four hour news cycle. It just really affects us more. And I I think that we that we have shorter attention spans. So uh, I think that it can happen. Um, the the probability I, I really in my gut feel is pretty low. Uh, it, it will take a lot to keep people's minds focused on it. But I but I really you know we should spend some time on this show just talking about. You know what? What we do need to do on an individual basis and collectively to uh, to make sure that it just doesn't you know fall by the wayside. Yeah, and, and I'll just add um, that and I kind of agree. I don't think that necessarily the marching is, is that's not going to change anything. That just makes noise and make people know that you're upset about something. Um, and I said it in our Facebook group that uh, you know that what's what needs to change specifically with this situation was you know there's laws on the books that apparently aren't working. Uh, the only way you change those laws is by the people you put in the office. And, and we talk about voting all the time, uh, but, you know, maybe we need to talk more about being an informed voter. And people just vote, you know, especially in our community, we just vote for the name we recognize. You know, we, we don't, and, and we don't look at the judges. You know, how many times we actually research the judge uh, when we go out to vote and see who this judge is, what they stand for, how many people they put in jail, you know, for, for different things. Um, and that's what's going to change. We have to not just be the ones voting for better people, we got to start running for those offices. We have to be the ones that are going to be in place uh, to change, uh, to, to shift uh, the laws. You know, if, if it's a law, if, if that's what happened, hey, they couldn't convict um, Zimmerman because of this law, then, you know, that was that's what needs to be changed. But are you going to change everyone's idea that, hey, I shouldn't go out and just kill somebody? No, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. So if it's the law that's the, situa- that, that's the problem, um, and even even on the jury side, you know, and I've talked about this as well uh, on Facebook. Uh, how many times ha- have, have we gotten jury notices and we try to get out of jury duty? You know, you duck jury duty because you didn't want to miss work. Um, but here it is. There, there's there's a uh, <laughs> Trayvon Martin out there waiting for justice, but we're not on jury because we skipped jury duty. You know, and I'm not saying that's what happened in this situation, but I know we we've all been in a situation before where we've tried to get out of it for whatever reason. 
if we're not on the jury, if we're not in the jury pool, if we're not registered to vote, we're not going to be in the jury pool. If we're not in the jury pool, we can't be out there uh, possibly selected to be on these cases to hopefully give better, uh, if nothing else, a different perspective in the jury room. You know, we're still bound by whatever laws are in place, but you got to have a different perspective, different, you know, had, had one even black mother been on the jury uh, to say, hey, well, in my neighborhood, you know, if you walk up to someone, this, this is seen as this, that, that is an aggressive uh, behavior, you know, uh, anything that, that could have been different and could have changed. So, you know, I think that those are the steps that have to be taken um, more so than just marching and, and, and even, you know, when, and I remember, Brian, when when, when the first, when, you know, a year ago when it's all broken, people were marching. And I think you were even at that time asking, you know, what's marching going to do? You know, what, what what's going to happen next? You know, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, that was kind of where you were coming at. Like, well, what is, you know, what's real? Is this really going to help? You know, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks, we'll, thanks for the question, Debbie. We, we definitely appreciate it. All right. You're welcome, and thanks for the great shows. All right. Great. All right. So, man, we got a, a little while left. I want to jump to um, some of the responses from the juror, uh, B-37. Um, because that was some of the most enlightening um, information I think that came out after the trial, uh, some of the comments that she made. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and one specifically was she said um, she said it on the um, Anderson Cooper interview. Um, she said part of the reason why she she once she felt that Trayvon Martin absolutely played a major role in what happened to him. These are her words. She said he played a major role in what happened to him, and she said. Um, when George Zimmerman approached him, he could have left. He could have walked home. He didn't have to stay. So that right there was so uh, eye-opening to me that it was like, why? And this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about all night about just this kind of a perspective that people have. Like, why did she not see the opposite side that George Zimmerman could have also left? He was told by police to leave. Um, but it was okay for him to approach uh, someone, uh, but Trayvon should have left. You know, so I understand how she she said in her statement that George Zimmerman approached him. So he initiated the contact. He initiated the situation. Uh, she even at a later time said she felt sorry for both people. She felt sorry for Trayvon, um, and then she felt sorry for George for um, putting himself in that situation. That's what she said. So this is the mindset of of just one of the jurors, and apparently at some point all six of them agreed to some degree because they all voted not guilty. Um, and I think my biggest thing was it's a difference to me because uh, she kept trying to say, well, our hands were tied because of the law. We had to vote not guilty. But I think it's a difference in voting not guilty because of the law makes you vote not guilty and actually sympathizing for someone who just shot someone. She definitely seemed like she was uh, sympathetic, uh, empathizing. Like she felt like George Zimmerman did absolutely nothing wrong uh, when he actually killed somebody. There was no, there was never a question that he shot, that he was the one who shot. In a lot of cases, you don't know for sure if that person did it. They denied it. You don't know for sure. We know George did it. Um, so it was just, it, it, that when you started hearing some of the things that the juror was saying, kind of the, the mindset, how did that make you feel? What was kind of your reaction to some of those things? I mean it, that that's I mean I feel the exact same way. I, I just 
you know, it, it's it's tough for me to uh, it's tough for me to to understand the uh, the psyche of, of an individual that thinks that thinks like that, and, and it's probably because you know a lot of my you know we, I probably have just different experiences, but the fact that you hold a 17 year old kid at fault and you and you hold them to a higher standard of uh, of you know decision making right. decision making then you do a grown man, it's just, you know, that that's when I start to really think that, you know, that that the way that he looked had a lot to do with it. It just it, I just don't like I said before, uh in my gut I I just I just know that had uh Trayvon been a, a white kid and had uh Zimmerman been a, a black male or a black grown adult, it just wouldn't happen that way. And she can say all that she wants, but you know We've seen it happen, you know, time and time again. Uh, that that you know, ju- justice doesn't always work for you uh, if you don't look the right way. Uh, and I, I just really think that as, as much as she she'd like to give it that pass, you know, I, I understand the law saying one thing, but uh, but the fact that you know she'd even make that statement really you know spoke even more loudly than you know than than the rest of everything that she said. So you know. And, and and I know we want to talk about um, give you a couple minutes to talk about how this all correlates to your favorite show as well. But you know, you <laughs> talked about if, if if Trayvon had been white and Zimmerman, I mean, if Trayvon had been white and Zimmerman black, I think even if Trayvon had been white and Zimmerman still been Hispanic, he would have been right, found yeah. guilty. You know, yeah, I think it's the same. I, you know, because right, right. So I think that it's not just the, the color of, of Zimmerman. I think. You know the the victim's color, ha, ha, race had a lot to do with it. So so let's talk about you know your show and how this is all kind of bled over into a real life, and um, and then we're gonna make that major announcement at the end. So talk to us about. You know what? <laughs> okay, we, we have three minutes. We can, say, we, can, we, can, we can we can table it for next week. Maybe we'll we'll fit that in. But but we definitely have to make okay. have to make this announcement. So let's make sure we get that in. Well, no problem, no problem. Make sure we didn't. I know we went longer than we expected to in that conversation. But, ladies and gentlemen, it's a major announcement. We told you it was coming. It's time to make a major announcement. The Ryan and Brian Show, we've been going strong for almost three years on this live radio show for the people. Um, But the time has come. Ryan and Brian are about to take a hiatus from from doing the live radio show. So July 31st, I think that is the date, July 31st will be, that's the last Tuesday of um, July. (laughs) The last Tuesday of July will be the last live Ryan and Brian show, uh, at least for the end of this year. Uh, We have some projects that we're working on uh, that we want to go ahead and kind of do some things that we have to explore. And uh, I know Brian has a big book project he's working on. I've got a big project. DVD project I'm working on as well. Um, so we're still going to be rocking in the Facebook group. We're still doing that. The Ryan and Brian brand is not going anywhere. Uh, we're still going to be at recess. We're still doing those things. However, the live show uh, that we've been doing every week for the last two and a half years, we are going to uh, turn that down start, uh, in two weeks. So you all are the first to hear it here live on the show. Um, but that is the major announcement. Right, and and the last show will be on the last. It'll be the last Wednesday of the. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Tuesday. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, you said Tuesday. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we we definitely look forward to uh, 
you know, hearing your feedback about that, uh, you know, in 2014, uh, we will be revamping some things in the way that we we approach things. So if you have some ideas, if there's some areas where we can, uh, where you feel Brian and Brian can step in and, and meet a need, you all let us know, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, to these future projects that we're doing. Absolutely. So, like I said, we're not going anywhere. Just not going to be on the air. Hey, that rhymed. But, uh, <laughs> but absolutely. So we want to thank you all. Um, spread the word and, and start calling in for the last two shows of the Ryan and Brian Show. So other than that, we're still on www.ryanandbrianshow.com. The Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash Ryan and Brian. So uh, definitely look forward to you. Thanks for all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Used to get laughed at God on it Who are they to say you can't have that Even when you fall Don't give up Get up Pick up where you left Confession